I'm sick of this game. I just spent 11 hours trying to kill one enemy, and when it killed me, I leveled down. I'd rather look at the stills from the new Matrix movies. Those are going to be awesome. Don't give up yet. I've come from the future to tell you just how Square Enix will make this game better. Oh, uh, don't get your hopes up for the Matrix sequels. They're going to suck. So you said you're tired of not being able to do things by yourself? Well, in the future you can. It'll still take hours, but you won't have to wait for other people to help. Oh, and my fellow time traveler is right about not getting your hopes up for the Matrix sequels. I also bring word from the future. All those Chinese players who try to buy their way into awesomeness will be foiled, because the ability to do that will be removed. Oh, and I can tell you how Harry Potter ends if you want. Expansion packs will also come, the better to enlarge the world and give you even more things to do. Oh, and keep an eye on that Johnny Depp guy. He's going to get really big with the Disney theme park movie. <sighs> I tried again and got killed, and I still leveled down. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of comes with the territory. <laughs> there are RPGs long forgotten beyond that which is known to the modern gamer. It is a catalog vast as space and timeless as myth and legends. It is the middle ground where panelists from RP Gamer discuss computer and console RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. This is a dimension of adventure beyond your imagination. This is the RPG Backtrack. And here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Philip Willis and Mike Meeky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 42, Vanadiel Awaits. On today's podcast, we are talking about the first online Final Fantasy, number 11. And to help me out with that, I have a trio of panelists. First up, we have Mr. John Callender. Um, yeah, I'm still here. I, I haven't vanished or anything. Uh, my continued non-appearance on Backtrack is entirely coincidental. <laughs> Your continued back <laughs> continuing absence from Backtrack pales in comparison to our second guest, Mr. Mike Tidwell, a.k.a. Fire Mist. I've been on recently at some point, yeah. maybe a few months ago. Sure you have, buddy. We believe you. <laughs> in my own mind, anyway. And show, for her premiere showing on RPG Backtrack, we welcome Miss Sarah Nick. Migar? Migar? Call me Noodle. AKA Noodle! Welcome to the show! Thanks. Woohoo! Noodle, this is your very first time on RPG Backtrack, so we got just a few questions to help introduce you to our audience. Why don't you tell us, uh, well, we know what your handle is on RPG Gamers, Noodle, but what do you do on RPG Gamers? I make all the pretty graphics. They're very, very pretty graphics. Noodle makes the cool review buttons. They are cool. The buttons on the side, I think those. And would you like to give us a brief overview of your gaming history? Gaming history? Yeah, what brought like, you to RP, R, you know, RPGs? You know, what are you playing the last 10 years or so? What are you playing now? Last 10 years. <laughs> give or take. <laughs> uh, last 10 years? I don't remember. If you want to be I like still total- the Final Fantasy Eleven for the last <laughs> six years. Was it six years now? What was your first RPG? Oh, my first RPG was RuneScape. Ooh. Who remembers that? I do. Oh wow, that that that's going back. 
quite that, a while. Yeah, isn't that? I, that's the first. That's the one I remember anyway. Hmm. So it sounds like you're almost starting to sound like you're just pretty much an MMORPG fan. I I play mostly MMORPGs, though. Ah. I'm interested in other RPGs, but I mostly play MMOs. Yeah, well, we're going to be spending some time talking about uh, one big doozy of an MMO tonight. Um, were there any other single-player or uh, other types of genres that caught your eye at one point or another? Final Fantasy X. <laughs> and we all know why. Has it, Titus. Yeah, I was gonna say, was it something to do about a guy called Titus repeated <laughs> shirt off? Because yes. you know, yeah. Before we had that, before we had that werewolf in Twilight taking his shirt off, we had Titus. So, which kind of not I, a Twilight fan, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> this is a totally rhetorical question, but it is a staple question that I must ask. What is your favorite RPG of all time? Final Fantasy Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Should have expected that. Yeah, right? I didn't see that one coming. Did you, did you see that one coming? No. In fact, I think our audience is so stunned. We need to give them a sixty-second break while we get ready to talk about Final Fantasy Eleven. We'll be right back. After these messages. What? This thing has commercials now? Tonight, we're going to be dedicating the entire show to Final Fantasy XI, and, bef- and since I know absolutely nothing, I'm going to be mostly listening and maybe throwing in some questions and directing the conversation here and there, but I do get to do the introduction for the game. Final Fantasy XI was a multi-platform release, <laughs> um, released on the PlayStation 2 March 23, 2004, on the Windows PC October 28, 2003, and on the Xbox 360 April 18, 2006, developed by Square, published by oh a whole bunch of people, Square and Sony and whatnot. Uh, this is a multiplayer MMORPG rated T for teen. <laughs> Sorry, I have to do that. It's, uh, that's required. Sorry, there legal disclaimers and all that other fun stuff. So that's newly rated, though. They just started putting that on the game. Yeah, yeah. Whoo, doggity. So first of all, let me let me ask all of you. Uh, am I correct in presuming that all of you have played this on the PC? Uh, yep. Yeah, I, on all three consoles. Oh, you played them all three consoles. Mm-hmm. Oh. He's like that. Oh, cool, because 
for the first thing I want to ask, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I, I do want you to talk briefly about the installation and the that experience of initially getting into Final Fantasy XI, and, uh, and 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 I'd like to hear if it differs on the three platforms. <clears throat> well, the PC one is fun because you install some disc that you found in you know 2004. And then you patch it, which takes pretty much forever. Um, but the nice thing is they release the new collections, so if you're smart, you get one of those, and then you save some time. For the consoles, you're pretty much stuck with whatever version they came out with. They never really released other ones. Um, the PS2 one was kind of tricky because not only did I have to install it, I had to figure out how to get the hard drive on there first. Um, I managed to get lucky and find... Um, find the whole kit at Fry's for like 45 bucks or something, including the game. So I was like, oh, I'll do that. Um, I know some people have got it to work on PS3, but it's not actually... Uh, what's the word? Officially supported. Yeah, it's not officially supported, but people can get it to work, and I haven't tried that yet. Um, so I still have my old PS2. The problem with the PS2 is the resolution is really, really bad. It's like... Uh, what? 480, I think. 640 like by 480 bad. Six, yeah, 640 by 480 bad with low texture resolution, and the only That's thing really you want to play small. it for is for claiming really easily, because it, it'll load quick, because it doesn't load anything good. Now, I remember one of the initial complaints when the game first came out was that the registration process was a bit convoluted. Is that still the case today? <clears throat> Well, yeah, they still tie it through Play Online itself, which is uh, a service they didn't even bring on to 14. So it's pretty much they're like, you have to do all your content, your account management and everything through Play Online, but they at least unified that with the Square Enix login system. Hmm. So you're allowed well, to have... That was quite recent, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess it was well, about two years ago when they released the security tokens. Hmm. I mean, I was thinking that um, the, the the play online service when it was when it was um, like first announced and advertised, at least in Japan, I remember seeing a trailer for it in a um, uh, it was a disc provided with Japanese copies of Final Fantasy X. Um, that it was a kind of supposed to be a um, uh, a multi-game interface that would allow you to manage accounts. Um, no, they like, they still have more than one game. Yeah, and, and and I think it did still take off a bit in Japan because Square Enix were able to um, have a few more licenses over there. Like, I think they ran, like, EverQuest 2 through it or something, the Japanese servers for. Yeah, I think they did. Um, they also were originally talking about doing a front mission through it and things like that. I don't know if that ever actually happened. I think the front mission did, and also Fantasy Earth Zero, one of their, one of their, another one of their ones, Okay, was, was put so. through it. It didn't be, but uh, for us in um, Europe and America, it was pretty much just Final Fantasy XI and Tetra Master. Right. So. <laughs> Tetra Master. <laughs> so, um, let's move on. I want. I want. I want to hear a, a bit about the the story because um, when I talk to friends about Final Fantasy XI, I'm assured that. Um, that relative to other MMOs, Final Fantasy XI has a more engaging story. Is this true? Um, is it more engaging? A lot yeah. More stories going on. 
But I mean, are they? I mean, they, are these memorable stories? I mean, Final Fantasy Final Fantasy games are known for their memorable stories. Oh, definitely. I, I think the original ones are kind of weak. Um, you want to do the nation stories? They're kind of they fill in little bits and pieces, but to get the whole thing, you have to do all of them, and it doesn't really come together that well. But each expansion has very good story, and you know they're not afraid to say, "Well, here's five minutes of cutscene. Have fun." <laughs> and they're actually really, really awesome cuts. If you ever, like, I've been in super long cutscenes before, but they're really kind of epic cutscenes when when they get that long. Yeah, I, I'm. You, I'm you're I really agree. engaged into it. The um the the, the expansion pack storylines are are really good. Um, the, and the, the the um the music that they've put together for them it, it kind of adds to adds to the whole experience. It's pretty good. Like as far as far as Final Fantasy plots go, I would actually rate eleven pretty high. Uh, the only ever the only real issue with it is occasionally is just jumping through the hoops to get to those cutscenes. Is there an overall story or plot uh, that you can talk about? Well, each one kind of goes in its own way. I mean, it tries to focus on the new area it's opening up, so it's kind of hard to say like there's an overarching story. Um. The biggest yeah, each expansion thing... each has its own like story. Yeah. Okay, so why don't each one of you just take a, a few moments out and maybe talk about your favorite story from Expansion XYZ? Oh, jeez. Um... My favorite <laughs> is Wings of the Goddess. I haven't finished it yet, but it's my favorite one so far. Sure. Tell us. Tell us a little bit about it. What makes it? What makes it special? That's the one. That's the one that you go into the past. So you go, like, because in the present, it, each area has, like, kind of rubbles and, you know, stuff. And they and they kind of mention about the Crystal War, like, 20 years ago or something. This expansion actually talks about the Crystal War. And you can actually go back into the past when the Crystal War was going on. And so when you go into different cities, they're all... Like, you go into past Windy, and there's, like, craters in the ground where, like, the Beastmen had bombed it at one point. And I haven't gotten so too far into it, but it's pretty much my favorite one, just because you're going back during the war era, as opposed to just having another story in the present or whatever. Yeah, they... When the game first came out, they came out with a movie and they showed the Crystal War. It's the one the the Tar is bringing down Meteor and things like that. And that is basically um, what they finally went back to with Wings of the Goddess. Mm-hmm. So you finally get to see that part of the story, but I haven't finished it either. It's it got kind of hard until they raised that level cap. Anything stick out? Oh, go ahead. Um. Well, I don't know. If I could mention mention this without it being a spoiler. Oh, we love spoilers in RPG Backtrack. Spoil away. Okay. Well, one of the reasons why I love Wings of the Gods so much is not only do you get to go back to the past, and in the past, it's like the same whole world, but it's an, it's, its own thing. And a lot of the areas look completely different. But one of my favorite things is that there's a cat boy. There's a Mansra. Lico. In Wings of the Goddess. Lico. 
to provide, I to, love Lego. To, to provide some explanation, one of the playable races of uh, Final Fantasy XI are the Mithra, who are an entirely, an entirely female race of, entirely of female, cat warriors. There's no, you can't play a male Mithra. There's no male Mithra. In Wings it's, of the Goddess, you have one. And it's like, and it's so funny because in one of the beginning cutscenes, another spoiler, no one wants to hear it. Um, you meet the cat boy, and it's so funny because all the myths are around in Windurst, and they're like, oh my gosh, it's a mantra, and they're all freaking out. And they, you actually get into like little cat fights with the other Mithra because everyone's like, "No, I want him!" And then he comes up and like he's your character's in in the cutscene and like who actually comes up and like sniffs you and looks at you and stuff. It's so great. Ask you to go out to his litter pan or anything. He's like, "Hi, Lego, I love you." In case you yeah. hadn't noticed, in case you hadn't noticed, Noodle has a thing for the cat boy. Well, I'm a Mithra, so it's like sweet, finally a cat boy. Uh, actually, didn't all three of us play Mithra? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, pure guys. I'm an actual Mithra. <laughs> um. <laughs> Down boy. Oh. Down boy. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Easy dragon. Down boy. Down boy. <laughs> oh dear! Actually, I was gonna—I was actually gonna stick just one up for uh, as long as con- co- as long convoluted and difficult as it what as it has been. I—I I, I am a fan of the Chains of Prometheus storyline, the second expansion I'm pack. Almost done with that one. Oh, that's um, also one of my favorites. And I say I haven't—I haven't quite finished it, but um, I have kind of cheated and watched a few of the cutscenes on YouTube, and that the the Bad final boy. cut the the, fa- the final cutscene is phenomenal. Yeah, but I don't want to hear it because I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, well, I'm going to hear it either way because it's one of their big... It, it, it's the name of the concert. <laughs> As in, dis, the Distant World concert is named after um, the, the the ending track from the uh, Change Prometheus storyline. Now, um, now you've, John, you've played plenty of World of Warcraft. I, I know Mike, Mike has too. In terms of quality, do you feel that the Final Fantasy stories are more engaging than the Worldcraft stories? Uh, that's tricky. Um, I'd say that um, I actually I think I prefer the Final Fantasy XI storylines. Um, World of Warcraft does have characters that I actually you know I I think are quite interesting and whatnot. Um, like I I quite like the dragon flights and finding out about them in World of Warcraft. But I just I don't know I just kind of felt. Um, I felt that the Final Fantasy XI storylines were just kind of generally more interesting. And this is coming from someone who did play, like, Warcraft 3 quite extensively. I played World of Warcraft for a little bit. I didn't yeah. really like it because all the characters were ugly. I think what I noticed was is World of Warcraft has tons of lore. And if you know about the Warcraft series, you can say, ooh, I see this, or I understand this, or this is cool, and oh, I get to see that. As far as story goes, it's kind of like, I don't know, go kill stuff. And Eleven pushes the story pretty much on top of you. And, you know, there isn't really so much lore because you just have the little bit of Final Fantasy bits, the Moogles, the Chocobos, the things like that. But other than that, it's an, it's an entirely new world and its own, you know, own story, own nations, own people, own, you know, everything is new. 
And so they don't have the lore to fall back on, and they have to tell you everything. Mm. And because, um, like, for example, the opening cutscene literally just tells you about the um, uh, the, the, the the crystal the crystal war. Um, right. But oh, yeah, like, the, for example, like the... when you get into like the chains of Prometheus storyline, it really goes into what makes the world what it is: the the, the mother crystals, the avatars, and all of that stuff, which is quite cool. Yeah, and you get it's, bits and pieces kinda... into each story. Like when you finish Windurst, you know mostly about summoning that you didn't really understand and why summoning ruined uh, Windurst during the Crystal War. Uh, you learn why Bastok has nothing growing around it. You learn why Sandoria is a bunch of pretentious elves. You know, all sorts of good things. Yeah, when you watch, if you finish some of the storylines and stuff, you can go back and watch the opening cutscene and you'll probably understand a lot more. Maybe like, oh yeah. That's yeah, like, like like the two pivotal NPCs that appear in the opening cutscene, you meet in game relatively frequently. Mm-hmm. One of them, at least. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. I was just. What did I just do? I had just did um, some mission, and it really brought back to. Um, they really they were talking about the um, Ted. The safe hold. Tavnasia. When you Tavnasia. yeah, but that I can't say. But I just got safe hold. I just in the beginning of that of the um, chain of Promathia, when you get to the safe hold, they really explain about what happened there, and you know, back in it, their, was it the Crystal War that they were talking about? Actually, and it really brought further. back to the opening cutscene where they were running down the um, different tunnels and stuff. Yeah, you can actually see that castle from Tavnasia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's basically right at the um right at the end of the cut the opening cutscene, there is a scene of like uh like twenty, thirty characters all standing upon a hill looking over the um ruins of the kingdom. Um from the war twenty years previous. When they brought out um the Chains of Bramathia expansion pack, it is actually possible to go to that hill and, you know, stand and look over. And that's a pretty cool location, actually. I'm quite yeah. glad they added it in. But it was actually really cool that they that one of the NPCs actually explained what was happening in actually, the opening cutscene. At least that's do, what I thought it was. Do either of you do um, the Sandorio quest line? Uh, I haven't done the mission line for it I yet. I haven't even finished Wendy yet. I'm like mission eight on. Wendy. They um they actually explained what happened to Tavnasia itself. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I I, I understand. I read about that. I, I, I've read a lot into the lore, uh, the, well, you know, the storylines for it. I yeah. just know about the um, what the NPC was talking about in the beginning of Change to Promethea about, uh, about Staple. And Lightbringer and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, good times. Hey. Um, hey. I'm trying Dragon, to choose ever... an expansion, but um, I'm stuck... Because I really liked how Zealart went. <laughs> Did you like Hot Urgen? No. That myth, that myth is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but it had the hot elf in it. It had Admiral Lucif. Again, the, the myth is annoying. <laughs> Nausea can go play with her tail. <laughs> I call it the face. Yeah, you can, you, can tell any, if you, if you can tell anyone who played... Um, Treasures of Atogan for any length of time is you just basically go up to them and say President Naja and watch them twitch. Mm. Just be like, uh, 
It's like, she needs to die. (laughs) Well, spoiler alert, at another cutscene, she actually hits you in the face with her hammer. (laughs) And you fall backwards. And the screen's black for a little bit. And then you see your eyes, like, opening. And you see them leaning down. And you're like, are you okay? Are you awake? Are you okay? (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah, I think it's her servant who helps you or something. Yeah, and she's like, oops, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah, I think Atogan only, only really picked, Atogan for me only kind of really picked up around the time late, uh, Chantotto turned up and started taking names. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem is it's like the story for Atogan is pretty much <clears throat> you're sneaking as one mercenary, but you're not really working for her, and then you're working for the royalty, but you're not really looking for them either. So you don't really get tied to anybody and it's kinda of like it's kinda of like going through the motions to get Odin. I don't really get the point. It's probably, I think it's probably the weakest story. I only like it because it has a hot elf guy and he has purple hair. But yeah. Mm. Mm. So and, and 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 I'll put out there that we will – I'll ask you – sometimes I'll ask you some questions and encourage some comparisons with World of Warcraft, number one, because it is you know, the largest MMO out there, and it's a good reference point. And number, ah. and number two – It is not anywhere close to the largest MMO out there. The largest subscriptions popular. The, the most popular MMO out there. How's that? Um, no, not even close. Oh, and what would that be? MapleStory has 98 million subscribers. Not or... active subscribers. Thank you for trying. 90... But... No, yeah. no, they don't have ninety-eight active subscribe, ninety-eight million active subscribers. Well, I'm sure World of Warcraft doesn't have twelve million I'm, active subscribers either. I'm sure, yeah. I, well, no, they 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 have between ten and twelve. There's no doubt about that. My account's in their system. That doesn't mean it's active. <laughs> How many? <laughs> anywho, um, uh, so and and because I know that so many of our 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 both our audience and you guys play both. So it's easier to make comparisons with. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the characters uh, as far as the different character classes and their abilities and their feels and what they bring to the table. Maybe even talk about the races a bit too as well. Well, I think the most important thing that sets Final Fantasy XI apart is you're not stuck in one job for the rest of your life. You yeah, I love that so much. You don't need to be the warrior class on this character and the alt gets to be the mage and the other alt gets to be the thief. You go, All of them can be one character. And you have a sub-job, so you can be two jobs at once. <clears throat> yeah, you get the one job to help the other job. So, I mean, that sets it apart right there because just the fact that I don't have to... Oh, I want to play mage now. Let me log out and get my other character. I don't really get attached to my characters. They're just jobs. And in eleven, you get stuck with your character. You're with your character all the time. You can start, you know, RPing a lot more, and just—I mean, I hate to say it—you bond with your character. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the only reason that you would have extra characters is mules for storage, <laughs> just what I have. I mean, um, like it's—it's it's the problem that I have getting attached to um, like significant numbers of alt characters in other MMOs. It's happened in—I um, would say it's happened less in City of Heroes, but certainly with World of Warcraft is um, 
like you, there are like selections of stuff that you you kind of they're, they're kind of like must dos on on characters and they're kind of like character tied to that character things like um like gathering flight points in World of Warcraft would be a good comparison um like just kind of utility things that you do to make um your character's life easier uh what i'm thankful the reason why i'm thankful for final fantasy's final fantasy 11 system is because you only technically have to do those once like once you have your airship pass you don't need to get it again on another character when you're leveling another job right that's what i that's what i like about the system there's no if you break the level cap you don't have to do it again yeah, and you don't need to do utility things like get your airship pass again, or or do this, you know, and and buy certain. Or just things. do the quests again. You don't do that either. Yeah. The only like, way you, you know, have to do that again if you have a character on another server, like I do. So if you have two characters on two different servers, then you would have to do it again. Yeah. But, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. We just move our main character. <laughs> I'm not moving my main character. Yeah, because then he could play with us, and that would be sad. Yeah, but I have friends on on Quetz. And I'm level 32 now on Alex, so there. 32? Uh-huh. I only saw 22 last night. I'm level 32 now. Oh, you were da- you were level synced. Oh, that's the other thing. It's great. Uh-huh. Level sync is great. Oh, yeah, that was introduced later. <laughs> I see. We're not talking later. Okay. We're talking well, no, now. I don't know. Are we talking late? Are we talking now? Are we talking later? I don't know we what talking... we're talking about. Yeah, give it give it in context. You can talk about how it used to be and where it's at now. Oh, how it back used to day. be. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day when you had four hour party seeks. Hmm. Back in oh. two thousand five when I first started. Oh, I remember it back in two thousand and four as well. I I'm sure um uh. You two will both recall at least what some of the leveling areas used to be like prior to the um, the uh, patch that caused um, mobs to be that were trained to the edge of the goblin zone to, to despawn. Zone. Yeah, goblin trained to zone. You know, and <laughs> I get their level thirty-five and kill them. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, providing a bit of context, what would usually happen is because you know you take look at something like World of Warcraft is if you uh, break aggro with a with a with a mob, it, he kind of wanders back to his spawn area or despawns or um, he just basically kind of ignores anything between uh, breaking aggro and returning to his original patrol area. Thing is about Final Fantasy XI or how it originally used to go was uh, if someone aggroed uh, like a goblin and ran and ran uh, the goblin would then link with other goblins who would also run and, um, and most of the time the guy would make it to the end the edge of the area and um, go over the zone line so he'd, he'd cross zones and the um, uh, mobs trailing him would Wander Stop. back to their spawn and then, areas and then stand there and kill everyone else. Yeah, the problem was was when they were wandering back, their aggro, t- you know, their aggro rules remained the same. So anyone who was on that path would now, you know, kind of face the wrath of like sixteen the goblins. goblins. Oh, it was goblins, uh, crabs, crawlers, oh, the crawl, uh, the dancing bats weapons, in- dancing I saw weapons, scorpions, and crawlers nest at zone. Yeah, or just crawlers in Crawler's Nest. I mean, there was that one time, you know, I'm sure everyone prior to that patch had at least one experience where they'd zone into Crawler's Nest dead because they were promptly killed by 37 crawlers at the zone line. 
and they're I've all just waiting for someone else to come in and kill them too. Yep. Uh, yes. <clears throat> Which is yes, you would zone in. You would zone in, and you'd be standing there, and you'd be like, "Oh, sweet, I make it!" And then you'd just fall over dead. You'd be like, "Oh, and then, I didn't yeah, make then, it. <laughs> and the server catches up with you. <laughs> yeah. And so basically, a patch was put into place. So, because um, this this could be exploited, so you could kill other people with it. You'd basically bring a train of monsters on top of someone you didn't like, and then die. And the monsters or would then just take warp away or whatever, or warp away or whatever. Um, so basically, the patch was put in to kind of remove that kind of griefing option. Um, so basically, if you lose aggro with a monster, now they just kind of vanish and reappear in their original patrol location. It's 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 it's, it's a it's a, not necessarily a perfect fix, but it it works well as a compromise. Those those were the days, though. Those were the oh, days. Goodness. Or sometimes, if you if you die by them, it'll despawn. So mm. you can you Which can still have fun. Last night, though. actually, <laughs> you, you can still have fun with victorious monsters. Well, I tried to sleep right last night and quit him. A white? Uh, yeah, a right. You a skeleton. Sleep. You can't sleep undead. <laughs> well, I think Noodle found that one out the hard way. Yeah, I think I think she found that with a I don't play. I don't play that job. I was level 30 and I was like, <clears throat> yeah, I can't sleep it. And then it killed and, me and then it despawned. And then it's so. <laughs> yeah. They didn't change it entirely, though. If you want a notorious monster and you pull that to zone, it'll stay there. Mm. Yeah. So if you're ever really, really bored, you can go down and get Circuit and bring it up to the level 30s and see what they do. Uh, usually run away screaming. <laughs> it's, usually, it's usual, uh, usual procedure for that. Yeah, usually. It's like, oh, my God, what do we do? Because that'll pretty much one wipe their, Well, one of their pre-programmed macros you get, if you first install the game, they have pre-programmed macros you can use. And one of them is, help, I'm being chased by a target. <laughs> Hit that. Yeah, but I mean, like, um, well, taking it back to the good old days, um, quest. Uh, unlike World of Warcraft, quests never were were never a source of the experience points at all. There are a couple of quests that did, like Final Fantasy XI's versions of repeatable quests. I think I can't remember. Did Garrison ever give EXP? Um, Garrison does give XP. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, a, couple, a few quests did give you XP, but most of them didn't. Most of them gave inconsequential items. Some of them gave items of great importance. Some of them just gave you a little bit more plot and told you to go on your way. So it kind of meant that. Um, yeah. So it kind of meant that most of your time was spent grouping with other people and beating on monsters until you leveled. Um. Yeah. Which I think we I think we may have lost Phil. Yep, still here. I think he's just okay. asleep. This is just so exciting. <laughs> I am listening with abated breath. I'm hinging okay, I on every the, word. I just lost the call for a second there. So I, I'm hinging. Yeah, I think on... everyone did because I lost the call. It's okay. The recording keeps going on. So, so just to, to to go back to the classes for a little bit there, and I know they've added classes with the expansion and stuff over the years, but um, you know, how fun are the different classes? Have we touched on them a little bit, maybe, and talk about what you really enjoy, which classes you like the most, which ones you like the least? How did you know maybe the 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 the, the dancer class or some of the newer classes when they were added hmm. to the mix? How were they received? 
don't even hate da- dancers. Dancers are the best dancers class in the whole game. Dancers need to die a horrible Best class in the whole game. No, they're bad. Awesome. Bad. Skimpy outfit tanks. The best, best outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I must admit, um, this is the perfect a, a, example like, of why this is the perfect example of uh, a proof that Square Enix hates the White Mage. Yes, this is Except, true. And this is this is true until you realize what Dancer has to do to get their body pieces, and then you realize, oh my gosh, forget it. I don't care. Dancers don't are stupid. Hey, White Mage, White Mages are cool. They keep me healed. I can yeah, keep you healed, no problem. Can. I just can't raise you when I you just die. Can't you. <laughs> so, there. so uh, actually, I must admit, I think as uh, the, uh, like almost as soon as I joined Final Fantasy XI, I knew the class because you start. Um, there are only six basic classes you can access at the start: uh, warrior, monk, white mage, red mage, black mage, and thief. Um, and you un- you unlock um, you unlock the others via quests when you uh, reach level thirty. Um, but I knew I started as a white mage. But I, as soon as I saw, uh, as, like as soon as I got into the game, um, I basically decided that I would take summoner to max level if I could. Have you done that yet? Yeah, I, I've got summoner at level ninety now. But that's good. Um, that took me years because <laughs> it, it took I, me years to get to get to seventy five. <laughs> yeah, I never hit. The thing is, was I never? I didn't even hit seventy five before Abyssia came out. And I started playing late 2000... No. Was it late 2003? Possibly sometime in 2004. Oh, so it took you longer to get 75. That makes me feel better. It took me something like five years to get to 75. Yeah, it took took me me 17 months. (laughs) It took me like five years to get to 75. Um, And I say, I I enjoyed playing Summoner, even though um, I leveled the the job during the dark ages of the class, which basically meant between the levels of about 20 and 65, I was the, uh, I was the replacement white mage. Yeah, I, I see, I've seen that a lot in yeah. level parties. They're like, ah, oh, we have a summoner, like, you heal. Yeah. Oh, goodness, I tried to do a merit party as a summoner, and I'm like, okay, you guys realize none of you took the ninja sub job, so you have no shadows. And I have cure three. Let's see how this goes. So, Did they all die? Yeah. Okay. We died in yeah, about yeah. 25 minutes. Yeah, at that level, like cure three doesn't really do very much. Upgrading your life expectancy in seconds. Well, no, because I had Leviathan out and I could do that at least. But, yeah, it didn't take long. They, yeah. we, we eventually got a link and that was the end of it. It was like, all yeah. right, we're dead. <laughs> But I mean, like, uh, you know, once um, like the, the the buffs to the class and whatnot started coming, then it it became a lot easier, and we can actually do stuff in Abyssia now. So I'm relatively yep. happy. Oh, but I, the other summoner's crazy other, Abyssia. Yeah, the other job that I started leveling though when it came out was uh, Scholar. Yeah. I love my, Ooh. I love, I love me my Scholar. Scholar's good. And the, another reason why Square Enix hates the White Mage. Okay, let, let's recall. Dancer. Let, let's recall. Okay, now Dancer, I have, you, you can complain about because Dancer actually gets a cure spell that's worthy of complaining, but Scholar doesn't get cure 5 or cure 6. All they get is raids. I don't really, I don't have the same kind of hatred for Scholar that I have for Dancer. Maybe because I've experienced Dancer parties and they really well, make me angry. That's because Dancer does get a cure, the, the counters cure 6. So. Yeah. 
for for, ref, for for reference, scholar is a um, a class that mixes uh, white magic and black magic in a way that red mage doesn't. It can um, specialize in one or the other. It's uh, confusing. It, it's a little confusing, but it, 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 um, you basically get abilities that allow you to do things like adjust um, your casting speed for your next spell, or adjust um, whether it targets a single or multi-target and stuff like that. Um, I, actually, I, I, know, I haven't actually managed to advance Scholar beyond level 60 at the moment, so... So you have a skirt. <laughs> yeah, I have a skirt. I have the I have the full scholar set actually. It's it's the last. I I remember getting my um my scholar hat was I think the last thing I did with my link shell before they all jump shipped fourteen. And that went well. Uh, well, they're still there, so. No, oh, that's more than my link shell. Mm. Well, you see, or what so. happened was was my my link shell was uh, I actually did join a um a role play link shell on Leviathan. Um. The, as far as I remember, one of the guys who joined us then went on to found the Role Players Coalition, which is currently operating on 14 on the Besaid server. Um, probably so, the still there. Yeah, and oh, as far as I know, they're still going well, so. Hmm. Okay, is it my turn? Sure. Yeah. For what? Hooray! You're going to talk about know. White Mage and we're going to sleep. I... No, white mage. I, you know, white mage is the type of job where you, you know, stand in the corner and through people. No, listen. <laughs> Fine. Oh, <laughs> it have to be like a natural white mage. Yeah, I can't. Even when do I'm white not mage. playing a white mage, I still want to like help cure and stuff. But it's just, it's just. One of those jobs that it's I play white mage in every single game, and I like working for my job. I like some white mages who just like to stand there and toss a cure spell every once in a while. I like it. Like when we did Dynamis, I found it most exciting when I was the only white mage to show up. That's the fun part of being a white mage. Because you're curious all the time, you have to get status ailments off, you have to protect them. You know, it's a lot more than just curing people. No. And, what's, especially your mouth. <laughs> oh, hit you in the face. So mean. <laughs> See, she's a white mage, this wants to beat the me in the face. This is, this is the RPG backtrack version of Geraldo going on here. This is... This is why I hate dancers so much. Because you can't cure? Jerry Springer. You can't. <laughs> because oh. you have... Oh, I'm sorry. Because you have a limited no, resource I'm to cure with. Her. <laughs> okay, first of all, I was... When Dancer first came out, I was invited to a party. One, they still had XP parties. And I was with two dancers. And I don't mind partying with dancers as long as they know their place. Oh, but so not when they're he, both healing, and I'm like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? Okay, and the party the leader tells me, oh, you're just here in case someone dies. So face to say, I didn't stay in that party very long. And then they beg me to come back, because they're like, but what if someone dies? It's like, I don't care. <laughs> if you die, I'll come back and raise you, but I'm not going to sit here and do nothing. I would have. 
Dancer's place. Free XP. With the, why, there's a why there's I get bored if I'm if people to say it's hey it's free XP. I get bored. I like to do my job. If a dancer if I'm at a party with a dancer and they know their place, which is not healing at all. Which is not healing. Unless at all. Yeah. Well, if they're yeah, if I guess uh, I guess if I was thinking about this, and, and I'm totally coming at this with a World of Warcraft mind, mindset or whatever have you, where there are a variety of class. I love playing priest, um, but there are of course a variety of classes that can fulfill the healing role. But if I'm there as a healer, and there's other people like paladins and shamans who can also heal, the thing is, if they're focusing on healing while I'm in the party, they're wasting their time when they could be DPSing and killing the mobs a lot faster and in fact we might die if they focus too much on curing and not doing damage is that not the case where all these people can be the all these dancers are dancing or whatever and healing well, people and they're not dpsing how dancers, how dancers heal is they do damage to get tp and then use the tp to do a dance that heals the party so they'll be doing damage and then they're like oh look i have enough tp i think i'll heal people so they use tp that to is heal what we do, yes where white mages use MP to heal. So So they run out, mind, then you cry, and then we have to I save you. I don't mind it if I'm all alone MP and there still needs to be healing, and I can be like, oh, can you help me heal for a little bit while I rest, get some MP, whatever. But it, I don't want them to be sitting there main healing when I'm so what a white am I mage. Supposed to, what do we do with all the TP we've gained then? You have plenty of other dances to use. Like what? Use those. You have damage dealing dances and crap. You have a ton more dances that you can use rather than just healing. I was going to ask if they if they're healing when it's not necessary, just because they happen to have extra TP, which for some reason keeps making me think of toilet paper, um, because they, they keep having all this extra TP lying around. Isn't there an opportunity cost? Like I, I mean, I can have all the man in the world, but if I should be damaging. You know, while I mean, I could stop to heal people, but I'm wasting my time. You see what I'm saying? When I could be killing things instead, is there a, is there an opportunity cost as far as time goes in using TP, or is it like instant? Well, the biggest problem with dancers is until Abyssia, you pretty much did no damage. You fight with daggers, so the only thing you're going to do is you hit the monster very quickly for a little damage, and then gain TP to heal. And this is how you ah. basically survive. In Abyssia, it's slightly different because you can crit all the time which then lets you do damage, and therefore you should be doing a lot more damage, or even tanking. Or but beforehand, you weren't really able to do that. Interesting. Actually, this is just... why I refuse to party with dancers if I'm a white mage. Otherwise, I'm fine. But if I'm playing white mage, I... Well, see, that, that's if the someone funny thing. wants me to be in a party, and I'll be like, are there any dancers? Well, yeah, they are. Okay, do they know their place? Are they going to heal? And if they say... Well, they might. I'll be like, okay, no thanks. I want to pass. Yeah, but in in this case, I would want you to heal because then I could use my TP to keep hate. Well, yeah, that's a good party. So <laughs> they're they're able to dance and they're able to heal, but they are also tanks. Um, yeah, in I was. Abyssia, I, they've become tanks. I was going to say, um, Final Fantasy XI did kind of pioneer the, 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 I think, a kind of set of unusual tanks. I mean... Um, <laughs> well, they didn't expect Ninja to become a tank. That's the best part. Yeah, because, um, like, Warrior and Paladin, I think, were, like, the, the two traditional tanking roles. Paladin probably more so than, than Warrior. Well, and, yeah. um, most, they started and most... with Warrior, and Warrior wasn't good enough, so they added Paladin. Yeah, and... Um, 
like um, every, like most tanks subject uh, subclassed warrior because warrior had the provoke ability, which is like your basic taunt ability. Um, now, um, what Square Enix I, they didn't predict, and they mentioned this in like um, you know like developer interviews and whatnot, is um, people taking um, the ninja class. Now, the ninja class um, has um, abilities that um, like create shadow images that uh, absorb hits. And also have quite high natural evasion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically what, what you do is you take Ninja, you give it a warrior subjob so you can taunt. And then basically you yeah, you provoke the monster and then it can't hit you. And if you're not taking any damage, you've got, you've got the monster focusing on one person who's not taking damage. Which basically means he's tanking, technically. Mm-hmm. And it became known as uh, blink tanking. Hmm. Um, oh, and, but, of but I was thinking something. I was thinking of other things like more unusual, like people tanking, um, like the the worms with um, bard ninjas, because for some reason the bard songs generated an unusually high amount of aggro. So several link shells would use bard subjobbing ninja to tank, which was just flat out weird. <laughs> hmm. So I think, um, like, I think Final Fantasy XI certainly had some rather unusual, and um, as uh, Mist was saying, um, um, Abyssia has allowed all kinds of, of, like, bizarre combinations and tanks and whatnot to come up, like, dancers tanking. There's also um, melee white mages, too. Oh, those were fun. I got killed by one of those in PvP. See, I'm too squishy to be a melee white mage. But I've had I have friends who are melee white mages. I'll actually do a fair bit of damage. It'd be awesome. <laughs> so I've been known to have a fair amount of damage myself. My claim to fame is my nine hundred and seventy three damage holy that I did once. Where I actually stole hate from the tank. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oops, sorry. Didn't did you die? I didn't, because they were able to Spoke it off of me, but it was pretty fun, though. I was like, "Look, I can do damage!" Yay! <laughs> yeah. So, focusing a little bit on, we've kind of speaking of dance, we've kind of danced around uh, the subject of combat. Not really, but I, I just had to make a dancer pun. Talked about combat a little bit. Can we go a little bit more into detail? What's 
what are some of the characteristics that make Final Fantasy XI Combat stand out versus other MMOs or other RPGs? Cumbersome would probably be a good way to describe it at times. <laughs> um, Square Enix was never afraid to challenge. They would... Oh, here we go. Well, no, I mean, that was the thing is... I'm not saying that other MMOs didn't, but they were like, we don't care if... We will plan something that will take you 300 hours. We don't care. Is that a good um, thing? No. <laughs> this is something that they've now realized that after eight years, we don't really like that much. We'd like to actually get to the end of the game at some point. And so... No, I mean, before... is, it was that attitude of theirs, though. The the We're not just going to go with what the masses say. We've got our ideas and we're going to stick to our guns. Was, was, was That was their... Yeah, that was their... Uh, Mantra, basically. Was that a mistake, or was that a good philosophy overall? I think it never let them grow beyond the core, because they were the Final Fantasy fans, and they were going to play it. And then they would play it for a while, realize it was hard, and then, you know, go on to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, like, none of us could uh, level a job in, like, three months. It was months and months and months and months of playing the same job, level by level, Zone by zone. You know, it's. I thought I was fast, and it took me 17 months to get to max level. Wow. It took me five years to get the yeah, And they're telling me five years, so. So, I mean, now, for somebody like me who's kind of a casual gamer, I've been playing World of Warcraft since it came out, so that's five or six years or whatever. I'm still at level 83, but when you guys said it's taking you five years, you're not talking casually like I am, are you? Uh, the 17 months took me casual. When I really, really went hard at it, I did Black Mage in eight and a half weeks. But oh, that was well, 40 to 50 get, hours a week. Now when I go on a level new job, I can get level 10 in you know, a couple hours. So. I can get level 90 in a week. Yeah, he can get level 90 in a week because of but Abyssia. I could, well, no, even before. I did Dancer from, uh, what was it? 17 to 75 in two weeks. Well, now with Abyssia, you can get, you can go from like what level 30 to 75 in like a couple well, hours it or something. It takes like nine hours or something, yeah. Yeah, but still, that's nine hours. <laughs> nine hours to get years. to 75. <laughs> yeah, so they've changed I mean, it a lot. I'm, I put I put my slow pace down to the fact that um, at, at particular level uh, boundaries, um, I just kind of like flat out stopped leveling. It, the only thing I really logged in for at the, during those points in time was um, like a little bit of gather of gill gathering and then just some RP with my link shell and then just log off again. Um, I didn't. I, I uh, for, for for long periods of time, I kind of. Um, I kind of didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to progress. I didn't feel like I had. Um, you know, I, my equipment was bad. I didn't feel like moving forward. So really, I just logged on, had some fun with my link shell, logged off again for long periods of time. Uh, you know, I went on long, quite long, protracted breaks from the game. And not to mention, I went out and lived in Japan for a few months while I still kept my subscription active. I logged on for four hours every Saturday by going down to a net cafe in central Sendai. Um, but really, I, I, you know, that wasn't, um, I didn't want to spend those four hours, like, trying to grind out levels. I just spent four hours having fun with my link shell, because that was kind of, you know, more fun. Well, that's pretty much mostly what I did in the, in the beginning, because I was in college. So I didn't, so I wasn't really on a lot. Plus, I had a couple months where I just didn't 
log in at all because I was having super bad internet issues. So, you know, the first probably couple of years, I wasn't really like a serious 11 gamer until, you know, my last three, four years. So, and no, usually I'm... instead of leveling, it was... I usually just like come in and do some missions and quests and all that because I'm I seem to be more interested in the um, storylines rather than just leveling. Would would let's compare it to <clears throat> World of Warcraft. Um, how how does the how does the leveling not only in terms of amount of time it takes to get up to maximum level with a particular class, but how is also you know I want a little bit on that, but also can you also give me some detail as far as uh, speaking strictly from today's point of view, if a new gamer was to jump into the game, how does that how does that trip from one to eighty or ninety or whatever it is these days uh, feel in comparison to some of the more modern MMOs that are out there? Well, that's kind of the trick is. It's hard to say what a new player is going to see because it's so hard to be a new player because everybody now goes to 30 and then, like Noodle says, you go straight to 90. So where's the 30 through 90 XP? Mm, nobody really knows. I'm, so I, I would say the, the link shell that uh, myself and Mr. are part of occasionally do do lower level, um, like level sync parties. Um I think, uh, and th- there are, there are the occasional, um, like, level sync party of people going through the levels the slow way, like, between 30 and about 75, just by level syncing. Old school and way. <laughs> the old school way. Just, just, just the way our forefathers did in, in 2006. Sort of <laughs> or 2006, whenever the hell they introduced level sync, because that changed the game quite a bit. Level sync was, what? Eight or something? Did, did we elaborate on the whole level syncing mechanic? Yeah, basically, um, level sync um, was a feature that they put into the game where um, you effectively you, um, would pick a member of your party and you would sync down to their level. While so you say were you had like, so say you had six people in the party and there was like a level seventy-five and a level thirty and a level fifty-four, and you all. Need, wanted to sink down to level 30. Well, your level 75 character essentially becomes a level 30 character. So, it doesn't gimp the XP at all. So you get the same yeah. amount of XP as you would if you were all level 30. Yeah, because basically still... it's similar to other games. Um, you, um, If you're in a party with um, party members who are much higher level than you, you don't get any experience points. Mm-hmm. So the way the level sync worked was it brought characters down to um, set their effective level to you know, the picked member of your party. Um, so that it... you would all be considered the same level for the purposes of gaining EXP. However, when they first implemented it, I believe that... You couldn't wear your 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 seventy five oh, no, gear. Very... Would all get was that was that what happened in the beginning? Where you if you sink down, then your gear would fall off. No, Is that what happened. They, I... That was one of the things that they were worried about <clears throat> because the way oh, the change of Hermathia uh, mission set was very set through. We're going to make sure that everyone can play this, and um, so they did th- level thirty, level forty, level fifty. But every single level was capped. And what happened was, is you had a level 75 trying to do it, and they're like, I don't have any level 50 clothes, so I can't uh, play the mission. That's right. And then they fixed it so where 
you would so, still yeah. wear your gear, but it just wouldn't have the same effects. When they tried to fix that, they realized they could also sink people down. Um, and then that would work out for everyone. So for the most part, what they did there was um, they decided to... Uh, how do you phrase it? Once they did that, they said, hey, we can also sink people's levels down. And that's where level sync came from. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is actually helped a lot in in seeking a party because a lot of the major complaints was people were like, "Well, I sat around for hours and couldn't find a party." But now you could just ask anyone and be like, "Want to do a level sync party?" Okay, you know. And and and, and people are and yeah, and people are quite um, receptive to that, particularly in areas that people know are very good for gaining experience points, like. Um, the 36 to 40 bracket in um, the uh, past version of Romfower Forest, leveling mm-hmm. off the ladybugs, I seem to recall. That was a very popular spot. And so, um, you know, people would actually actively seek out people who were between levels 36 and 40, so they could have an anchor to le- to sink their party Yeah, they, to. that's the one thing they need, is like, they need a, one person to be that level. And so then they can sink it, down. it should be noted that it, it never worked the other way. You couldn't level sync up. Because uh, yeah. I, know, I know of at least one game that does allow you to do that. Um, but in this case, I it, think it's, it's um, City, City of Heroes. Yeah, with yeah. City of... And a lot of this, I was just thinking, a lot of this reminds me of City of Heroes, because City of Heroes, uh, you could lackey up or sidekick down or whatever have you. So um, if I have a level 40 friend, I'm level 10, he could either bring me up temporarily to level like 38... Um, but I went thirty nine. It was level minus one. Yeah, minus one or minus two or whatever. The greater the difference, the more of a chasm there was between the two of you. Um, but uh, I don't know if they changed that with later patches. But then at the same time, let's say he had a bunch of XP debt, um, he could sink down, and then um, and all of his all of the he would still get experience to knock out his debt. And if he had paid off all of his XP debt, then he wouldn't get experience, but he would get I think a lot of money. So there was kind of incentive for him to sink down if I need to knock out a lower level mission. Yeah, yeah and I mean, the, 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 and I think um, the level sink definitely. I mean, I, I remember it's one of the. I would probably mark it down as one of the events that kind of changed. Uh, like if you if you think Abyssia was uh, like the release of Abyssia was the thing that kind of changed the face of of how people group in Final Fantasy mm-hmm. Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, the I think introdu- Abyssia is the Square Enix deciding that, you know what, you guys have played this for eight years, you can just have whatever the heck you want. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I mean, like, the, introdu- the introduction of level sync, like, completely changed the way in which people partied and, and looked for groups and whatnot. Um, you know, um, and it, I, I'd say it was pretty enjoyable. It was a pretty enjoyable period. I think I actually got quite a bit of my um, EXP from 60 to 70 in level syncs. Mm-hmm. There's one thing about the whole fast leveling in Abyssia that I mean, a couple of my LS friends um, don't think is a very good thing is the people that go on a new job and level from like 30 to 75 in like nine hours. And we were talking about this in our LS one day and we were talking and thought that, you know, you don't really learn how to do your job you know, very well if you level that fast. Because well, this, that, well, if you think about it, that's a criticism currently being leveled yeah, there's in a, World of Warcraft. We had this whole so. discussion on, in our link shell, and we're like, you know, you can level that fast, but once you're level 75, you're expected to know, I, you know I, what all your spells do and, and all the abilities and what I, weapon skills go with what other weapon skills and 
and, if you and, level and that fast, you can't expect you can't really you don't really learn. But there's criticism in that because, well, how much do you need to learn? Do I really need to play a job for 500 hours to figure out how it works, or can I play it for 15 hours and then I have to skill up my weapons? So I have time to learn my new weapons. And but in a party setting, though. Yeah, I, what, I party, what what party setting is there anymore? Level sync. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, right. I kind of find it. Yeah, I kind of find it interesting. I kind of find it interesting that you can sit down and play something like a God of War game. Not that it's a direct parallel, but you can play a Final Fantasy single-player role-playing game, and <coughs> you're expected within those forty. Excuse me within those 40 to 80 hours to know your whole party well enough to be able to handle those those high-end events. But then when you play an MMO, there's almost this expectation that, yeah, it took me 500 hours to learn my class. I think, at least when looking at the World of Warcraft perspective, when you get to high levels and you see somebody doesn't know how to play their class, I don't think it was necessarily a matter of they leveled too fast, but rather during that leveling process, they never took the time out to run dungeons. They just went through single player, uh, you know, all the way straight up to 85 or grind some way all the way up to 85, maybe PVP'd all the way up to 85 and never really got down, n- never spent even a few dozen hours or so running through uh, dungeons along the way to figure out what, and so when they get into a dungeon, all of a sudden there is that party dynamic and how does your class fit in and, and the, you know, the mobs, how they act, you know, differently in instances versus out in the, you know, in the world. Uh, I, I wonder sometimes if more of that criticism shouldn't be leveled against, levied against people who just never took the time to party on their way up versus people who somehow managed to level faster. I mean, yeah, that's what we were talking about in the link show. We're like, well, there's some, like, I I know that some of my friends have run into white mages that have been horrible, and they're like, and I just see them talking in the link show, and be like, this person's like a horrible white mage, and they apparently don't know how to do anything, and and you know, I I hear the same thing about tanks, and you know, and and like, and and it just makes me think of like, well, did they? Is it's like a job they don't usually play? Or do they just not take the time to learn how to do their job properly? And see, that was the other thing I never liked was this this idea that you can only do a job one way. And there was a lot of that in Final Fantasy XI. It was like, if you play Dragoon, you have to sub this job. You have to play oh, this yeah, way. Definitely. You have to do that. And there was a lot of that, and it's finally starting to go away. Yeah. But that was the thing. People would be like, well, you didn't play it this way, so you must not know how to do your job. And I'm like, well, how about I just do my job differently than you? Was it was it kind of like WoW where the, the dungeons, especially like the heroics and stuff, were so difficult that if you didn't play the class a certain way, you had a substantially greater chance of failure? Or is it just because people are picky? It was both. I mean, there was a lot of missions where it's like, I need you to do this exactly how I ask. And you're like, okay. Or, <clears throat> but in XP, they were like, this will get us the most XP at the most possible time, and this is what you're going to do. And if you don't do it, then you can go somewhere else. And I was just kind of like, you know, I don't really care that much. I just want some XP. I want to have some fun. Yeah. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. And um, actually, the biggest argument I've ever gotten in my link shell was, and this was like back on Midgard Silver when it was still existed, old school white mages would usually sub black mage because... This was before Scholar and Dancer and all those other ones. Now White Mages usually sub Scholar. Well, I haven't unlocked Scholar yet, so I sub Black Mage. I like Black Mage. It has warp and all that. 
and I got yelled at so bad because I wasn't subbing Scholar. They're like, why are you doing Black Mage? Black Mage is stupid. You should be subbing Scholar. This is how you play White Mage. <laughs> and I, I... that person actually, the person who was yelling at me about it, actually got kicked off our, our link shell. Which I'm glad because they were just like, you can't do that. You have to play it this way, and this way is the only way to go. And luckily, there's less of that now on 11. Now, there were two two criticisms levied against Final Fantasy XI in early or in the the reviews that came out after the game's release, um, and we kind of joked about it in the skit at the beginning of the show. Um, one of them anyways, uh, that one, it took incredibly long time to level. You could even lose levels and things like that. And number two, that the only really productive way of leveling or maybe even the only viable way was through grouping. Uh, it sounds like by listening to y'all that at least number one has been somewhat addressed uh, in that it sounds like it really – just listening to y'all talk, it doesn't sound like it's as much of a, uh, a grind or a chore to work your way up through the levels anymore with the link uh, with the link assisting or sinking or whatnot. Level, level, level sinking. Thank you. Um, but is, is, is criticism too still valid where really the only way to level and to work your way up through the game is through constant grouping? Not anymore. They've no. really made a lot of changes. They added XP rings. They added uh, what they call it, fields of valor, where fields they're basically floating books, and you, uh, you talk to them and get those. solo quests. Um, yeah. I was getting a lot of um, easy, uh, easy XP that way on my Beastmaster mm-hmm. by just grabbing a page, and you know you get you just finish the quest and you get this free bonus right there. You don't even have to go and return it or anything. You can even party with fields of valor if you want. Yeah, they have two kinds. They have kinds of yeah. solo and kind to of do. Uh, and own. they and the cool thing about those is that it'll actually tell you what level it you should what be doing expect, it. Like, yeah. like page one is level seventeen through nineteen or whatever, and it'll tell you kill five lizards in one B or something like that. And you go off and you kill five lizards in one B, and then it'll be like, okay, you get five hundred ex- extra experience points for finishing the page. And the cool thing about the the Fields of Valor, you can get field support, and you collect tabs when, every time you finish a page, and then you use those tabs to get field support, and you can get, like, re-raise and refresh and regen for a certain amount of tabs, which really comes in handy when you're lower level and you don't have those spells. Mm-hmm. So everyone in the party can have re-raise, and everyone can have regen and refresh. So that helps a lot when you're lower level. Uh, yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to say, um, <clears throat> uh, regen referring to um, continual HP restore and refresh referring to continual MP restore. Refresh, it, parties revolved around refresh. That's that's kind of how vital refresh red was. Are, red mages are only good for refresh. Well, re- well no, basically, because <laughs> back, you know, back in the old days of traditional party makeups, it was, you know, red mage or bard or the party just doesn't get started. It's like, like the, red mage, the... white mage, a tank, damage dealer, you know, a couple of damage dealers. I would usually eat an old school, an old, and back in the day it was always, okay, we need a white mage. Okay, the white mage wants a red mage. Okay, we need, like, uh, a ninja. Yeah, that, okay, we uh, need... you would get, like, four people standing around waiting for a red mage to show up. 
and a tank. And you'd be like, oh, now we can go party. So um, it was good they added more classes to do that. But, you know, there was still that, well, there's only so many jobs to refresh. And they kept adding more. And each time, you know, there just weren't enough people playing those jobs because that was still the same job in a different way. And if you get high enough level as a white mage, you can get an automatic MP restore. But it's always better to have refresh on two because then it's it regains your MP a lot faster. Let's talk a little bit about the other elements of the game um, that can contribute. Yeah, that can contribute to uh, can contribute to players enjoying or not enjoying the game. Let's start off talking about let's say um, the the graphics and the sound. Now, granted, this is a game that goes back a few years, but so do a lot of MMOs. A lot of the more successful um, MMOs so are the given older it, ones. So given, so given, given that context, how do the graphics and the sound hold up today? Well, considering the, considering the game was originally released on the PS2 in 2002, um, yeah, it was in Japan. Um, for a game that's nine years old, I still prefer Final Fantasy XI's general art style over World of Warcraft. I still um, think it looks better. I mean, well, because it is also possible. Um, it's also possible to do things like if you're playing the PC version of, of uh, Final Fantasy XI, it's possible to modify the system registry to effectively emulate um, anti-aliasing by oversampling, which means that Final Fantasy XI does actually scale relatively well with modern computers. Um, okay, it, does. It, it, it won't look as it, it won't look as pretty as what they tried to do with Final Fantasy XIV, because well. Final Fantasy XIV, Final Fantasy XIV, but it, freaking uh, amazing. Just, there is there yeah. is something about um, like the armor design, the, the design of the characters um, that I just prefer so much over um, World of Warcraft's more cartoony style, and the music is fantastic. Um, the 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 you know like the the, the they, they, there are three um, primary composers. Uh, Uematsu did a little bit of the music. Um, but there's also uh, uh, Kumi Tanioka and um, uh, what's the last one? Help me out, guys. Um, now, uh, now Shimazuta. That's it. Who I think composed a majority of the music. I think that's the one uh, who has signed my piano collection. Damn you! <laughs> <laughs> I project my waves of jealousy across the Atlantic. Um, but yeah, I, I, the, the 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 music in Final Fantasy XI was one of the things that made the entire thing like worth Mindy it. Theme. Yeah, I I think everyone has their own like particular set of themes that they just really like listening to. I myself am quite partial to the Sanctuary of Zeta, which is a, uh, a a large like deep forest with a really soothing Zeta's piece of music. Zeta's really pretty. Um, we'll have to ask Phil to stick it on the cast somewhere. <laughs> and put Wendy on the cast too. Yeah, if you're um, if y'all happen to, if you can do a search for it in YouTube and paste me the the links because that's where I grab all okay. my music from. Um, so it sounds like the graphics and music are pretty good. How about uh, some of the interaction elements? Uh, the size of the world, how easy is it to travel around? The scope of the world, how does that all feel to you? As a white mage, very easy. I hate. I'm you and your teleport spells. <clears throat> yes, I can teleport to every major area. I can warp back home, which I, my permanent home point is White Gate. So, 
it, she hasn't moved on back. to the rest of the world. It seems like, yeah, it seems <laughs> and like. And you can use, and you can use also white mages also have recall spells, so it's like teleport, but you can actually recall, use recall, and go back to the past. It, so instead of having to go through a mall or something, you can just teleport to the past. It seems Great. like Blizzard has put a lot of effort in with their last uh, year's worth of releases and patch updates. Has really put a lot of effort into adding more fly points, lowering the bar on uh, faster mounts and flying mounts and all that other fun stuff. So clearly Blizzard is addressing a core uh, desire among gamers to be able to get from point A to point B faster and easier. Has Final Fantasy somehow addressed that as well? Um, basically, with every, um, with every, at least with every expansion, but also occasionally with updates as well, um, Final Fantasy has kind of expanded on how you get from place to place. In the original game, prior to, I think prior to, um, the first expansion coming out, um, there was literally the, uh, flight, the, the airship routes between the, um, outlying three capital cities and the central one. Um, and you could only fly on those if you completed a, uh, up to a certain point in the storyline. Um, but also there were the White Mage teleport spells, which would take you in the general area of certain places. And considering the world was quite small back before the first expansion was released, this was, was, was you know, this was fine. This was doable. Um, now, I can't, rem- I think, I can't remember if the outpost warps were a part of the game when it originally was released. I'm assuming that they were. Outposts uh, were not. Oh, weren't they? That was, those were added oh, in 2005. Yeah, that was the... Wasn't that the... No, wasn't the outpost warp? They were like, when I started playing, but I didn't start the playing the launch was like... Short, the event that unlocked them was shortly after the US release, so just before a year was not, out, Well, shortly by, by like three or four months. Okay, and okay. I, not sure. More like three or four... Like It was... It was like almost a full year. I think it was like the anniversary or something. Now, nah, because no, because I remember the the, 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 <clears throat> the beating on the massive tree ant event, which which couldn't have been too long after the U.S. launch, and that was what unlocked the outpost warps. Mm, I, 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 yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, you know, if you completed the quest to do them, which basically just involved carrying um, something to that outpost, doing a within, supplies within quest. A week. Yeah, supplies quest. Um, you would then have the option of paying a small, quant- you know, a small amount of gill, and you'd be teleported there. So, uh, how about how about uh, aside from white mages, do the other classes get around okay? Well, <clears throat> when they raised it to ninety, you got the teleport classes. Uh, yeah. You can sub white mage and get all the teleports, which was nice. Hmm. But it was also just the fact of there's airships, there's chocobos, there's the outpost warp, there's. Warp there's <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you like living in Whitegate, you can get to Juno. If you like in Juno and you want to go to Whitegate, you pay 300 gil. So they've, they've tried really hard to make sure that... There's a there's a warp thing in Windy, too, to get to Whitegate. There's a NPC in the middle of Windurst that I you can pay. I think that's in every... That's in every major city. Yeah. Yeah, sorry well, about, sorry about that. Go to the other cities, okay? Well, Juno I lost, has I lost, it, too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I lost the call there. <laughs> sorry, by the way. But I was just, Hi, I was welcome say, back. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, like once when Wings of the Goddess came out, um, if you were in the past, you could warp to other places, and then you'd go, you could exit out. You could use the, the Mars and stuff, yeah. 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 When Abyssia came out, you had the option of paying the Abyssia currency to teleport to the Abyssia Moors. So basically, from Juno, I think it's possible to reach just about anywhere in the game, provided you have it unlocked within about, what, five minutes max, maybe? 
Yeah, pretty unless much. You try, unless you're trying to get to, like, the, the, the really deep parts of Atogan that are very difficult to get to. Like, okay, you well, might Well, then you have able... the Nizal gate. You have to take boats to get there. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it, unless you're trying to get to, like, the deepest part of Arapago Reef or something like that. You know, like, the, the, the deepest part right. of a deep but dungeon. But that's, that's basically an outdoor dungeon. Yeah. You know, it, it's not really a... It's not really, you know... You wouldn't be trying to get there in five minutes... But you wouldn't be trying to get to the bottom of a dungeon in five minutes in World of Warcraft either. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what about the economy? How how we understand that there was a little bit of history when it comes to the economy. Oh man, the economy! Back this is, this, in the day. This, back in the day. Back in the day, the economy was run by people from China. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 hey, it's that way today. Here. Every time I go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah, basically, oh. um, the price the the prices of everything went just went. This was what mid two thousand and five. The 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 I, everyone remembers it as the inflation events of two thousand and five yes. and two thousand and six, where everything you could think of was was like escalating more and more in price. You know, certain pieces of equipment were 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 reaching into the millions of gil, and it would become extremely difficult for for people who didn't have access to um, people who like in link shells. You you would go and. Um, kill certain monsters to get their loot and which you then sell uh for those of us who played in like small rp link shelves it was quite difficult to get the people together in order to do that so earning like you the, the like the millions that you needed in order to kick yourself out in the best equipment was extremely difficult and then what happened was in uh this must be what 2006 um no, 2000, that... it was near the end of 2007 when they started the uh anti-arm yeah, I was gonna let's say just the, the, let's just say that back when the inflation was happening, I was a wee white mage, and I had a stack of silk, and all I, all I was doing was killing crawlers in Saruta Baruta, which was all I could kill as a wee white mage, and I got a stack of silk. That's all you can kill now. Yes, and I I know I'm squishy, and <laughs> and I sold it on the auction house, and I got a hundred k, a hundred thousand. Which nowadays 100, 100. it sells for like five. <laughs> now, I, I, you know, and basically when the, um, Square Enix formed this thing called the Special Task Force, which was a subsection of the the you know GM customer service department that was supposed to be dedicated to. And the thing is about um, the thing is about the the gill sellers, the real money traders, was that they operated kind of like in the game. They were directly competing with players. Um, you know, they would attempt to monopolize spawn points. They would um, camp. I think the tree, the trees in um, the tree ants in Zeta were a popular target. I seem to recall. And you'd always see someone at, um, like, for example, at um, expensive equipment drops, like uh, me, Deggy the Punisher in Castle Castle Troja. Um, and basically, like, once once the RM, once this STF was formed. Um, the RMT problem died in about a what? A week, two weeks, or something? And the economy just um, fell. The economy crashed. It took them. It took them slightly longer than that. I remember Sunday telling me it took about seven weeks to fully delete all the gill, but they removed. I think it was thirty-eight percent of all the gill, or something like that. Yeah, it was insane. And, and the game's economy just just collapsed. It was, you know, something that was previously selling for like three, four million gil. You could probably get for less than a hundred thousand. Post, yeah. post crash. I, I remember friends getting like nobles tunics for like three million gil, 
where I ended up buying mine for like two hundred thousand. I yeah. bought my. I remember when the Vermilion Cloak, uh, a popular mage piece, uh, level fifty-nine mage. I always mage, wanted one of those. Mage equipment would cost something like nine million. I think it, it hit its really. Mage really high equipment was point. super expensive. And um, it was. Um, you know, I I bought I, I I never was able never able to get one because um, you know I I could never afford it during the inflation time, and then you know I, I go back and start playing again after a long period away, and I buy a vermilion cloak for like eighty thousand gil. That's it. It, it. it really was quite amazing what happened to the economy in this kind of post STF thing. It was one of the most drastic changes I've ever seen in a game economy. Yeah, I let me think. I um I pretty much had the uh uh everything I wanted because I did run I was part of an end game link shell and you know, having a hundred million gil wasn't an issue. So, you know, to get like my first a uh, high quality staff, I think I paid thirty seven million for it. But twenty six million of wow. that was a behemoth hide. So I actually paid nine million gil, and then the rest was all just, um, you know, on high that I got during a quest. Yeah. So, but yeah. So for me, it wasn't a big of a deal. But I remember, like, at the end, it was pretty much, well, uh, I'd really like to get a scorpion harness. So I finally get one, and then watch the value of that thing, where I paid eight million for the, the, the claw to make it. And then prayed the guy didn't break it because I was kind of running low. And then within the span of six months, the HQ version was worth half of what I paid. Yeah, yeah. I remember, Mike, I bought a raise for 570000 the spell. And yeah. that, that's worth, what, 10K? 5K at most? Oh, most that was of worth my, something. <laughs> most of my, I bought the normal quality elemental staves. They were, when I bought them, they were about 150, like 150000 each or something. Like wow. you go for a, you go for a normal set now, they're less than 10k. I'm buying high quality versions of those staffs for less than 100k now. Yeah, those I think, I up, I think I ended up paying. I have seven of the eight because I never wanted a white one or a light one because they're pointless. But I ended up paying 172 million for mine. And now you can probably buy them for what 50, 60k each. Yeah, yeah. I have. A, yeah. I think uh, my high quality black one costs like seventy five, eighty k at most. Yeah. That 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 is that is the extent that the economy crashed. Was it literally knocked like two zeros off the prices? That's staggering. Yeah. You know, uh, that that's just wow. Yeah. And that that was how it went for like a year. You just watched everything you own plummet. This is why I was quite glad I never actually bought any like significantly expensive equipment, with the exception of the erase spell, like before the yeah. uh, economy totally fell through the floor. Oh, what was that spell that came out that was like sleep for the white mage? What Repose. Repose. I got that when it first came out, and that was was super expensive when they first had it. Yeah, because it was new it was. and shiny, and that that that's. And we were that. like, I just remember being excited. Sleep for the white mage. Sleep for the white mage. Hey, you could sleep undead with that, you know. I say, um, 
Like the only spell I think that one of the only spells I think that's actually retained, or at least on Alexander anyway, uh, one of the only spells that's retained its value is because it's still very hard to get hold of. Is um, the Red Mage spell Flanax is still something like four hundred thousand, just because it's really hard to get hold of. Nobody raise does. Three is five hundred thousand. And raise three, because nobody does the things that drop them. So it's it's a simple now it's just a simple case of supply and demand. You know, people want these things, but there's just not enough of them, so the price goes up. But at least, you know, at least the economy now in this, uh, you know, post-special task force age actually kind of functions as a normal economy rather than being run entirely by Chinese gill sellers. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... I don't know, it was, it was fun to have that much gill for a while. But not then those... again, if anything I wanted, like I wanted a relic weapon, that would have been two and a half billion, and I never had that. No kidding. Yeah, and for those of us who didn't have access to that sort of money, it was quite difficult to get to. Yeah, so. we're not all rich. Hey, I, I was an endgame. That's how you got rich. Well, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, moving on. <laughs> um, so, it, let's talk a little bit about the interface one of the um, is the interface easy to use, easy to get into, easy to get out of. The interface is built for a console, and it definitely shows. House yeah, fourteen has the same issue. Yeah, House. it's built for a controller. Yeah, fourteen is yeah. built for a controller. I don't really like fourteens, but I'm maybe it's just because I'm used to it in eleven. Hmm. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I got used to 11's UI over time. I I controlled entirely with using like the numpad and my keyboard, you know, like WSAD and stuff. Well, I use my mouse to run and stuff. Oh, I and I'd say macros, I able... and I have macros for everything. So I was, I was able to play without even using the mouse. I I, I I you know once I actually started playing the game like and leveling, um, you know just learning to use the keyboard became kind of like second nature. Uh, it's like Final Fantasy XI won't, would never have won any UI design awards um, if for the same reason that EVE Online never, will never win any UI design awards. It's just basically um, it, was, it's, it was designed for a, um, for, for a gamepad on a console um, and, it, it was, and because of that it just kind of felt a little bit too what's the word? Obtuse, but once well, actually, thinking about it, once I actually got used to it, I kind of memorized where all of the menu options were, where all the spells in my list were, and I and you know I created macros to do things, and that kind of simplified things. So I it it wasn't it wasn't entirely crap. It wasn't fantastic. It wasn't entirely crap. Well, yeah. Plus, there's all these keyboard shortcuts that people can always use, like. F1 is targeting the first player in the party. No F1, F2, F3, F4, etc. And F8 is to automatically target the monster. Hmm. All right. Let's. Uh, our last. Uh, our last main area to discuss about our game tonight is mini games. Somebody tells mm-hmm. me there's a card game involved in this somewhere. That was no. actually a se- separate program. That was, that was actually a, s- a separate service offered offered via. You had to player. pay a dollar a month too. Is this? Are you yeah. talking about Tetramaster? Yeah. Are they yeah. still doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you have to pay for it anymore, though. I th- oh, I thought they closed the service for it. I've never played it. 
but yeah, basically it was a um, it was a a one dollar a month subscription to if well it was one dollar a month provided you had an active Final Fantasy XI subscription, but it was basically a a, a you know a, a, like a PC version of the Tetra Master game from Final Fantasy IX, and I I think I actually played that for like the first couple of months that I had a Final Fantasy subscription, and then I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and went back to the one in Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> Wasn't any better. Yeah, that was the only real problem. <laughs> All right, um, this this game usually at the end I I ask for y'all's quick final thoughts and selling pitch on the game, but this is such a big, massive game that each one of you put so much time into. We're going to kind of break this down into a number of rounds. So I'm going to throw a question out there, and I'm going to give each one of you roughly about thirty seconds to give me a kind of a short, concise answer on each one of these. So, and we'll do it uh, starting with John. We'll move on to Miss Noodle, and then on to Mr. Tidwell. So, our first question is: um, what 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 is this game best remembered for? What is the, what is the one element that just really sticks out to you? That even when you are done playing this game and you finally quit your account, what's what's the what's the main thing that's going to stick out in your mind is that you like the most? Um, the storyline, the music, and probably the good times that I had with my link shell. I I can't really ask for I can't really ask for much more than that. Um, I mean, I would also remember the game. Uh, I would also remember it as the game that scared many people into playing other games. But for me, it, it was really it was it was the it's it's the storylines, the music, and the people that I played it with. That's what made it worth it to me. Fair enough, Miss Noodle. Um, definitely the storyline. Like, I always, it's just the, probably the best part of the game is the storyline. And being a cat, I love my character. You know, and I love my link shell and buddies. And chewing on Teru's, it's the best part. Hmm, Mr. Tidwell. It's just, you're when you're forced to group together, you meet people. When you meet people, you become link shell, you know. It's just, it grows into a social thing. I used to call it my six-gig ch- chat client, you know. It was um, <laughs> where I met everyone and everything like that. And it just goes from there. You have all your friends. I have many friends from this game that I still know. Of course, I still play. But even when they're out of the game, they're still my friends. Um, Yay, Dragon! Yeah, exactly. It's just <laughs> one of those things where it's like, the game was kind of secondary to just having fun. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll remember for. I mean, and the people are amazing. Awesome. The people are t- are are different than other MMOs that I played that I've noticed. Ah, they just seem to be a lot nicer and helpful and fun. Miss Mr. John, what were some of the weaknesses of the game? Um, have you got a spare millennium? Actually, um, let me make this a little bit more concise so so we don't get too long with this. What are some of the weaknesses of the game that still exist today? Um, basically, the game is still virtually impenetrable to, to someone who is, like, brand spanking new to MMOs. Um, it, go play something easier would basically be it. <laughs> uh, it there, there, and there is a, um... Yeah, things have still been simplified. Um, things have been improved. It is easier to do things, but even so, it's it, it just has all the hallmarks of a game that was developed nine years ago. I mean, and Final Fantasy XI isn't the only one suffering from that problem. 
course. Uh, what do you think, Sarah? Well, Square Enix hates the White Mage, so that's an issue. <laughs> I think I, I I don't know if this is really a works for what what you're asking, but um, I know Square is trying to. I know Square Enix is trying to put in more jobs and get more people into playing it or whatever, but it seems like it's more, it's getting muddy with the jobs, job lines. And that's just, you know, there's career white mages that would appreciate something else that would set them apart from dancers and scholars and and everyone else that can cure and do what we do. But we haven't gotten much of that. I don't know if that works for your question, because I can't think of anything else. <laughs> Mr. Mike. Repeat the question again. That was a long talk. <laughs> um, what do you, uh, in its current iteration, what do you feel is the, is the greatest weakness of the game? PlayStation as, 2 support. As it stands today. PlayStation 2, it's still- oh, yeah. The, the PlayStation 2 support joke. They have, yeah. they have continued to change the game and try to make it bigger, but every single time they run into a roadblock, the PS2 can't do this or can't do that, and they're continued support as long as Sony does, so you're pretty much up a creek. Mm. Um, this has to do oh, yeah. anything from inventory to missions to uh, models to... I mean, because they can only do so many models on characters because PS2 can't handle it. They can only do so many inventory spaces because PS2 can't handle it. Um, It just continues to be the biggest problem. They can't upgrade the graphics engine because it's not going to happen. You know, no matter what happens, it's stuck in the PS2 era. And what I say is if they took 14 graphics and put it into 11, it'd be the best game ever. Well, Um, the other thing would be... Uh, there's no new players. Um, if you want to level a new job, I mean, they're merging servers, and hopefully this will change, but you want to level a new job, yeah, forget it. You're on your own. Hmm. Unless you have an LS that will play with you. Yeah, but even that's kind of rare sometimes. Uh-huh. So and they're, so, they're so really, really top-heavy. Yeah, such is the fate of uh, games that have, been last, have lasted a long time. That don't have strong solo mechanics. That is. Hmm. Um. Next question is going to be: Do you feel that Final Fantasy XI, in the grand scope of in the grand sc- scope of everything that's MMO, did Final Fantasy XI lay down some groundwork that is being used today? Did it establish something important for the genre? Level sync, without a doubt is something that I think a lot of people are copying. Um, Just the fact of... I mean, MMOs in general, I thought, were pretty much kind of a a solo thing. You know, every quest, until you got to endgame, it's kind of like, well, let's do your own thing. Um, There wasn't a lot that they did. They just kind of did it differently. They pushed it to a console. That was a big deal. Um, In general, it just seems like they didn't make anything like I can't one thing that stands out, but I feel that the genre in general changed a great deal because of Final Fantasy XI. Mm-hmm. Any other comments from the other two? 
from you other two, <laughs> Sarah and John. Anything you want to add to that? Um, I would I would say that the the level sync idea is is definitely something that's, that um, that you know people um, want to incorporate in to make sure that um, people of varying levels can always play together because that's a very important thing I think regardless of your MMO. Even, um, strong single uh, strong solo mechanics or not, um, people will still want to just play together with friends and whatnot, and making sure that. Um, like the game mechanics will always um, like um, don't, the game mechanics don't work against you for playing together, which is why the level think sync thing is so important. I think. Yeah, so. I would certainly agree with those sentiments. I think that I think one of my biggest griefs with World of Warcraft and leveling up is that my friends could always put a lot more time into the game than I could, so they quickly outleveled me, and it's detrimental to group with somebody who has a large variance in levels. So, um, and playing City of Heroes and listening to y'all talk about Final Fantasy is like, gosh, this seems like a no-brainer that that you'd like to see in every MMO, the ability to play with your friends no matter what level they are. After all, these games are supposed to be social experiences, but not all groups of friends have the same amount of free time, and levels are very strongly tied into the amount of free time that you can put into those games. I mean, City of Heroes currently has the perfect solution, as in the ability to sync up and sync down. As, you know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of the 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 level that I think MMO should attempt to aim for, just provided to make sure that um, you avoid the the, the problems of um, power leveling. That it's similar to the ones that we raised earlier, um, and that is like a minor issue with with the rapid speed of Abyssia leveling. Is you you end into this situation where people get to high levels, but they don't actually know what they're doing. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so all three of you are still playing this game, right? Mm-hmm. I've actually mm-hmm. taken a bit of a break as of late to concentrate on Warcraft, but I'll probably go back to it for a bit. Okay, so we know there's, uh, you know, listening to y'all talk, we understand there's uh, there's definitely a bit of a hurdle for new players or whatnot, but I want you to give it the old college try. I want to give each one of you 60 seconds the final question of the night, and I want you to give a sales pitch to the audience out there, whether it's new players uh, to MMOs or old players, it doesn't really matter. Just give your big your biggest sales pitch, because obviously you, you all believe in this game, you all love this game, because after years, you're still playing this game. So I want to hear your best sales pitch. Let's start off this time with Mr. Tidwell. Um, yeah, right off the bat, huh? Yeah, right off the bat. Bam! Just like that. <laughs> Good thing I don't have to go first. It's just... There's more to do in this game than I've played in other games. It's not... Um, I feel like even leveling is fun. You get to meet people. You get to try new zones. Everything's really good-looking. Um, I mean, if if you play this game, you don't believe it's nine years old. Just, you don't. Um, Square Enix is really good at running events. Make sure that new players have, you know, things to do. Um, They're working on getting the servers back together so there are people to play with. It's just going to be difficult for a while on new servers. But, you know, they're always active. It's one thing, it's like, my biggest complaint with MMOs has always been the fact that they don't, get support. Like, I'll play tons of NCSoft games, but I can't get any word from NCSoft at any time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Square Enix has active GMs, they have their support system, they, you know, they still care about their game. And that just means a lot to me, because, you know, I want to have a lot of fun, and if I can't, then I want it to be fixed quickly. 
So that's a bigger deal to me because there are just tons of MMOs out there, but let's get one where like people actually care about the game. <laughs> okay, what about Miss Sarah? Your best sales page. <sighs> well, Dragon makes good points because that's one of the, one of the reasons why I like Eleven so much is that because they're always adding new stuff. I haven't even gotten through all the expansions yet, and they're still adding expansions. There's like four expansions that I haven't even bought yet. Wow. <laughs> so, so I so there's always always something to do. There's always quests. There's always missions. They're always running events like. Like for Halloween, it's one of my favorite times to play in Eleven during Halloween because you can get, they have little mini quests that you can do. You can go around and you collect candy from the NPCs and there's some candy that you can wear, you, you use it and you turn, you have a costume. There's costumes you can make. You know, you can be a skeleton or you can be, you know, whatever you want to be because they have costumes for everything. And so that's really fun to go out during a holiday. And even when there's no holidays, there's there's just events that, that new players can do. And and to, I just love the storylines. They're so great. And the people. It's always fun to meet new people. And uh, the people in Eleven, I think, are different than any other MMO because they're always so helpful. And nice and awesome. Mm. So. Okay, Mr. Jonathan. Um, well, I've always gone from, like, I've always approached this from, from the fact that um, if you take, like, a sliding scale of, of MMOs, at one end you have games that are extremely focused on PvP um, and, like, all, you know, all of the, the progression and whatnot and character development and whatnot is kind of focused on, on forcing players to fight one another. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have, um, like, PvE, um, you know, where players, you, you um, want players to progress to, to defeat, um, you know, like, AI-controlled enemies, and that, that's kind of like a core focus. Um, if, if you kind of put, if, if this is like an opposing scale, I would personally put um, EVE Online on the far PvP end. I would put World of Warcraft in the middle, and I would put Final Fantasy XI on the far PvE end. So basically, for anyone who is basically tired of of any of stuff of PvP, then it may be worth a look. But it may also be worth a look if you've kind of um, if if the MMOs you play just feel too easy, because chances are, after fighting with some of Final Fantasy XI's mechanics, you you know I think you'd probably change your tune. So yeah, the other two do make good points, but as I say, I I, I remain a kind of. Um, I'm not skeptical. I'm not really cynical about it. Um, I, you know, I accept that Final Fantasy XI has a lot of flaws. It has a laundry list of flaws, but they, there is still just this kind of like beguiling charm about it that that makes it hard to put down. So yeah, I know I know a couple of people who have returned, like spent like three, four years away from the game and have just returned, and it's like crap. And we're still playing the same game. You know, the, the level caps changed. Um, the the economy's fixed itself mostly, uh, you know. It, it, the game, you know, the the, the storylines are still there. They haven't changed much, but the you know the mechanics wise has has changed so much. So, yeah, <laughs> not really a lot I can say. But. Fair enough. And while our audience ponders their 
all three of your sales pitches. We're going to help cl- close that cell by l- letting them listen to some wonderful music from the Final Fantasy XI soundtrack. We'll be right back. up with a quick last lap um we had a lot of comments on our boards on the last show which was i think xenosega i, I <laughs> yeah it was xenosega um and i don't have a whole lot of time because we're running a little late on the podcast already to kind of go over it but definitely if you um want some follow-up to some of our uh, show about the, the xenosega uh, trilogy on the PlayStation 2, you should really go to uh, board.rpgamer.com and check out the ton of comments that are on there. Um, just just a ton of ton of comments going back and forth. You may always um, feel free to leave comments on our boards or shoot me off an email, jcservant.com, and you might even get to hear your comments read on the air. I want to thank all three of you for being on the show. Oh, and our next show will be our monthly wrap-up for the month of April. We're going to be talking about Baldur's Gate as our PC pit stop, and we'll be talking about the games that came out two years ago. Uh, Dokapon Kingdom comes to mind, Dark Spire. Those two come to mind because they're just so bad. They make me cringe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dokapon Kingdom wasn't bad. It was just there was no single player. There is no single player. Uh, well, we had actually had a uh, uh, Max Dorg was on there with me because I ma- I drug him on the show for torturing me with those games to review, um, <laughs> and uh, and we had a, a very lengthy discussion about about uh, about even the multiplayer and why I thought even the multiplayer was bad. But anywho, uh, but it's a but he just dis- well, it's it's a game that has too many random elements for a puzzle or board game. Well, yeah, it's it's Mario Party. No, 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 Mario Party. You Mario Party. Hey, Mario Party. If the I'm, latest, if, the latest Mario Parties have been nothing but random. Well, yeah, but if I'm twenty stars ahead and you have one star, uh, f- yeah, even a couple of bad random luck rows ain't gonna put you in first place. But in Dokupon Kingdom, oh, it will. <laughs> I don't care if you're millions of gold ahead. Anyways, I digress. Listen to the podcast and put your comments on the board and tell us what you think. Get involved in this heated debate about Dokupon Kingdom and Dokupon Journey uh, and whatnot. I want to thank all uh, three of you. Before we leave, Jonathan, is there anything you would like to say to the audience? Anything you want to pitch out there, like what you're doing, RP game or anything else that you want our audience to know about? Phil, you already know this. I write news. I don't write a lot of it. Just listen out for my awesome British accent on the uh, weekly podcast on Saturday because, you know, I think that's what people really want me to do. That's right. They, they, now that your accent is on RPG cast, trust me, the, the, the amount of women listening to the show has gone up threefold. Mr. Uh, Tidwell, is there anything you would like to say? 
Not really. Just I hope you guys like the site and uh, keep going. <laughs> Noodle, anything you want to plug? Um, not really. Just I I know there's some people that really hate Eleven. And I know you haven't played past level 30, so you have no <laughs> right to complain. <laughs> and, you know who, yeah, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. And I also want to put in a big thank you to Mr. Mike Minky. He couldn't be here tonight, but it is his coordination and, and whatnot that makes this happen every single every week or two weeks or however often we do this. Definitely, uh, I thank you, Mr. Miki. Um, RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister shows, uh, RPG Cast and RPG Sanctum at rpgamer.com. Thank you very much. Have a great night and enjoy one more musical selection from the Final Fantasy XI soundtrack. Thank you.